0: Great to see uh, everyone here this morning. Great job in the music. Thank you so much for letting Becky and I get away. I honestly, it's been a long, long time since we had a great week together. It was really a wonderful time uh, celebrating our anniversary and my birthday yesterday. And I, I did just kind of want to add a little addendum on there. Uh, uh, we've got others, brother Case, and them are in Florida now. And Jason and them leave for Big Bend uh, right after church. Uh, brother Aaron, are you going anywhere? Port Arthur? Y'all really need to go to Port Arthur. going. <laughs> Let me add a little addendum onto there. Where is uh, your wife? Is she? She's headed to Port Arthur. She's <laughs> You better catch her before she goes. I, I do want to add a little addendum, though, on there, uh, and I do. I, I'm not being uh, chinchy. Uh, I appreciate so much the cards and letters and balloons and flowers. And There's only one thing. Uh, I don't mind getting flowers over Facebook and balloons, but when you're going to— Put chocolate candy on there. Would you send the real thing and not put that on Facebook? I mean, that's just about as ungodly a thing as I can think of. That you would, you would put chocolate candy in a color picture with the caramel dripping out. Oh, it's bad. Turn, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. One, only one verse. I told the earlier congregation, uh, this is not going to be an easy sermon. It's a pretty tough sermon. Uh, but you ought to have had to deal with it all week. God has whipped me up one side and down another. So I'm going to try to do the best thing I can to you and, and just tell you the truth. Uh, but Second Corinthians 7, verse 1. Would you stand, please, in honor of God's holy inspired Inerrant, all-sufficient word. The Bible says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Father, thank you today. Again, how precious the time has been to just worship you. I pray now our hearts would be open, our ears would be open, we would listen to what you have to say, And then, God, most of all, we'd be obedient to what you want us to do. Would you forgive me of my sin? And, Lord, hide me behind the cross. And, Lord, let people hear you and not me today. God, I pray that we'll see you do something fantastic and glorious in this place to honor you, to remind us that you're an awesome God. You're a a tremendous, amazing God. And we worship you alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Paul is in the church of Corinth, as he's written, can be misinterpreted in history, relationship. All of those things can be misinterpreted here. Paul got there. uh, I mean, you know, honestly, uh, as a preacher, you go into some places, you pull into some places, and you think, what in the world am I doing in this gosh-awful place? I mean, you know, God can't do anything here. Why am I here? And then, bless God, God begins to move. And you're reminded again that it's not about you. It's all about God. And God loves sinners. And and Corinth was the kind of place where you'd pull up to in a car and thought, what are we doing here? I mean, every sin imaginable, every sinner imaginable was there in Corinth. It was a horrific place, evil, wicked to the core. And yet, those are the kind of places that need the gospel. And Paul began to preach, and God began to do a great work there in Corinth. And he stayed there 18 months. Uh, the first time I was in, in uh, Kenya, and we'll be going again Sunday night, five, five of us. is next Sunday night. But the first time I went to Kenya, they were running Benny Hinn out of uh, Kenya. And I don't mean, you know, just a little few signs. I mean, they were running him out. And I said, well, why are you running him out? What, 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 what's the deal? And Because uh, these were all preachers that we were in the van with. And they said, to make it short, the prosperity gospel don't preach in Kenya. I oh, thought, whoa. I mean, you know, they ain't got one car, let alone two. They, 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 they don't have the luxuries of air conditioning and You know, we'll be in a hotel staying there, but I haven't told the group yet, but uh, it's those kind that have an open window with the mosquito nets that go over the bed uh, because you don't want to get eaten up by mosquitoes all night. Uh, Most of those folks have that. You see, when you preach a prosperity message in Texas, it'll, it'll fly. It'll be all right but when you go to a country like Kenya, you go to India, you go to Pakistan, you go to any of those countries like that and you start talking about, you give to me and and God's gonna bless you and he don't bless you, they get upset. Thankfully, the gospel is a gospel that's preached anywhere. It doesn't matter the demographics, it doesn't matter the nation, it doesn't matter the city, it doesn't matter anything. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is just as important in Africa as it is in the United States of America. It's the same message. And so Paul comes and he's preaching the the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. It don't matter if they're broke or if they've got money. It don't matter if they're diverse in ethnic groups or if there's only one group. It don't matter if it's an area of crime or if it's a safe area. It doesn't matter if it's religious or pagan. Every city, every person, every place needs the same message, and that's the gospel. And That's what Paul has preached. He stayed 18 months, and God built a tremendous church in those 18 months. It was a church where God blessed tremendously. It was a church that used every spiritual gift that was practiced. It was a church where the testimony of Christ was confirmed, and the people in the church were changed. It was a church of people that were redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. It was a glorious church, wonderful church. But the news came that sin had crept in, heresy and false doctrine. When you see a false doctrine today, you will most of the time see it laced with Christian things and religious words. And, and you know, I had an old-season pastor one time, uh, Brother Pennington, dear... Married us, and and uh, one of them that married us. It took two to marry us uh, to make sure we were we were married. Uh, But he was one of them. And uh, because I would be, I'll be honest with you. I was one of those guys in my younger years that said, just go to hear everybody. I'd go hear everybody, and I'd just chew up what I wanted and spit out the rest, you know, and take what you want. And this season, Pastor asked me one time. He said, Brother Charles. How many false teachings does a teacher have to do before he's a false teacher? I mean, is it 10? Have you got to do 10? Have you got to do eight, or have you got to do five? No, he said one. And when you find somebody's teaching false doctrine, let me tell you, according to the Word of God, stay away from them. Don't chew it up. Don't spit it out. I'm talking about when they're not talking about the Word of God. Now, we all can agree, disagree, and disagree on different items of the Word of God, but I will tell you, when you begin to, to take the major doctrines of the Bible and you begin to make them your own, I want to tell you, that's false teaching. And, and we need to be careful about that. Paul writes that letter of division. He talks about disgrace of the church. He talks about the dissension, the carnality, the fornication, the spiritual gifts. He talks about the resurrection. And he's basically saying, if you're not right with God, you need to get right with God. And basically, folks, I mean, that's a real message. We could quit and go home right now if you do it. If you ain't right with God in this place, come on down and get right with God. That's what the whole deal is all about this morning. That's what the music was about. That's what the preaching is about. Get your heart right with God. And then in 2 Corinthians, where we are now, he is commending them, but he's also challenging them. He told them, he said, look, you guys said you were going to make a vow to God that you were going to send an offering down to Macedonia, and you never have done it. He said it would be better for you not to make a vow than it would be to make a vow and break it. So get the ushers ready and take the offering. That's what basically he said. And they do that, they correct all of those things. But the, but, but, but the false teachers are still there. They're trying to turn the people against God and they're also trying to turn the people against Paul. Because they say, hey, we were, we were baptized by Apollos. We were saved when, when uh, Paul was preaching. We were saved when blah, uh, blah, blah. It don't make any difference. The only one who can save you is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's it, nobody else can save you. Now, in chapter four, five, and six, we've been preaching through this, and and you know if you've been here any length of time, if you haven't, I'll explain it to you. I preach a book of the Bible, or a series. I don't spot pick and think, well, I I got somebody need to hear this this week. I don't do that. We've been in 2 Corinthians for several weeks, We'll finish the whole book of 2 Corinthians. What happens today is we're up to chapter 7, verse 1. So we're going to look at it. And some of you are going to say, well, he's picking on me. No, I'm not. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. This is where we let off Wednesday night uh, in chapter 6. And we're picking up chapter 7 today. Chapter 4 tells us that we have a call to service. It is not a right for you to serve as God. It is a privilege for you to service God. God has everything. He don't have to let you serve him if he don't want you to. It is a privilege to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. And then in chapter 5 we had a call to sur- to uh, suffering. You see sometimes when you're in service for the Lord, it involves a little suffering on your part. We don't like that, but that happens. And then thirdly, we were in chapter 6, a call to separation. Now, he said, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. The separation in the Christian life is first always unto God. You're not leaving. You, You remember in the New Testament when they cast the demon out of the woman, she swept the house and cast the demon out of the woman, but she didn't replace it with anything? And then seven demons came in, worse than she was when she started? Listen, I'm not just saying the, the boat is okay when it's in the water, but there's a big problem when the water is in the boat. And we're in this world, but there's a big problem when this world comes to us and gets in us. So, chapter uh, talks about separation, be not unequally yoked. And he said the life is a life of suffering, service, separation. And then in chapter 7 here, he gives another call it is a call to sanctification now when i start this you're going to say well he's a false teacher himself i've never heard of that D- you hold on to the end if you would <laughs> i'll try to straighten it out uh i feel good you know i've been rushed all morning and case is not in the house so i feel good i feel like we could go to 12:30 or 1. amen <laughs> I'll try to make it as fast as possible. All right. Uh, Chapter 7, is going to deal with sanctification. Sanctification is to be set apart for a purpose. When you got saved, you got washed in the blood of the Lamb. Being washed in the blood of the Lamb does several things. Number one, it creates a changed life. Number two, it brings justification. The Bible uh, says that we are sinners, and when we get saved, he justifies us, just as if we'd never sinned. It's a justification. And then that third thing is, is sanctification. There are three kinds of sanctification. Now, some of you Bible students are going to say, wait a minute, I thought there were just two kinds. I'm I'm telling you there's three, uh, because I believe there's three. Now, you can call it something else if you want to. There is a positional sanctification. The moment you get saved, you're cleansed, you're justified, you're positionally sanctified. Amen? Are you with me? All right. Now, the moment you die, they go, there's another kind of sanctification called perfect sanctification. That's when you leave here and you go to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. You got possessional sanctification when you start your salvation. You got a permanent sanctification when you end your life's journey. And in between, I'm telling you, that there is a thing called progressive sanctification. It means that if you've been saved 15 or 20 years, you ought to be further away from the positional sanctification than you were the day you got saved. You ought to be more like Jesus now than you've ever been before. Somebody asks you your testimony. Well, I got saved in 1942. Was that the best you can do? I mean, is that all you got with God? Been 1942 since you talked to him? See, some of you are still stuck over here right in this positional sanctification. And Paul is going to tell us it's time to get off the back ends of the seats and let's move toward permanent sanctification. Now, we're not going to get the permanent sanctification. We're never going to make that. When we make that, we're out of here. But we ought to be striving to progress to become more like Christ every day of our life. We ought to be progressing toward permanent sanctification. Now, being just like Jesus, can can you imagine, 1 John 3, 2, Beloved, now we're the sons of God, does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. We'll see him as he is. Can you imagine being like Jesus? That's what permanent sanctification is. We're going to see like he sees. We're not going to have to deal with temptation anymore. We're not going to have to worry about being drawn off from God's perfect plan for our life. We're not going to have to be ever thinking about sinning or thinking about evil. When I get saved, I'm changed. I'm set apart. The Holy Spirit is inside of me. It's called indwelling. If I have the Holy Spirit, I'm saved. If you don't have the Holy Spirit here this morning, you ain't saved. I I can be good English, but it's better. I go faster if I just talk. (laughs) You are not saved. Romans 8 9, but you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. I mean, even in the King James Version, that's pretty clear. If you don't have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, dwelling inside of you, you're not saved. But the Bible says when you do have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you are sealed to the day of redemption. Right. To the day of that permanent sanctification, you're sealed. The older I get, the more upset I get. They put these things on these medicine bottles. I mean, I've got, I, got, I took a hacksaw to one one night. I couldn't get into things. I mean... They're, they're child-proof, but I'm going to tell you, they're old people-proof, too. We can't get into things. And, and, and then on top of that, everybody else now, because of the pandemic, they got these little old plastic things around the top, and you're trying to get your fingernail under it to peel it just right, you know, so that you can get it. You know what a pain that is to unseal something like that? Well, let me just tell you this. That's nothing compared to trying to unseal what the Holy Spirit sealed up. Mm. He said You're sealed to the day of redemption Now you classify that however you want to And you can I'm classifying it that I can't lose that salvation Because that salvation is sealed And I've got positional sanctification And I've got Permanent sanctification And I ought to be working on my progressive Sanctification But the truth is a lot of Christians Don't ever do that they stay right there where they are but when God looks down in this universe he doesn't look for diversity he doesn't look for education he doesn't look for what country you came from how much money you have in your pocket he looks at two classes of people saved and lost that's it saved and lost now our society has tried to make a middle road that don't exist it don't exist you you can take the straight and narrow way and be saved or you can take the broad and wide way and be lost but I want to tell you this is nothing but a made up American idea that there's a middle road that you can take be balanced you better not be balanced you better be top heavy with Jesus that's what you better be I went from being unsaved to saved. I went from being lost to being found. I went from being blind to being able to see. From being an Adam to being a child of God. I went from hell to heaven. And he put his soul, Holy Spirit, inside of me and sealed me. Now I belong to God and God belongs to me. There was an old song where you sing, "Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me." Amen. That, mm. well, when you look at perfecting, that's what he's saying, doing in chapter seven. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves of all unfilthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. How do you go from perfecting holiness? In these days ahead. Well perfecting means to be finishing. To go at it. To work at it. Develop it. Cultivate it. uh, Getting better at it. To finish what God started. Holiness means to be set apart or marked off or made different. And what he's saying here is until Jesus comes. I want you to be going at it. I want you to be cultivating it. All the time, between positional sanctification and between permanent sanctification, I want you to be cultivating it, developing it, going at it, finishing it up, finishing what God started in your life that made you different. You know what he says in a a nutshell? God is saying, I want you to spend less time perfecting all the things you're trying to perfect, and I want you to perfect the things that will bring holiness to your life. Mm. Seems to me in the church today We've perfected a lot of things Did you know that we have Churches have the best cookbooks Of anybody in the world We have perfected the cookbooks Many churches sell cookbooks Uh, We've perfected Sports and recreation Boy we You know we've got leagues for everything and, And all of those things are fine And everything but You know, I I remember, it seems like we're getting better at everything except holiness. I remember when Nintendos came out. Any of y'all in the 80s remember that? The problem with all these games today that these kids mess up with, they got too many buttons on them. Nintendo had one button and one joystick, and that was it. And uh, and I, uh, Atari, is that what it was? Okay, well, whatever. (laughs) Atari, Ben Gay, it don't make any difference. It's still got too many buttons on it. But I bought one of those games, whatever it was. I thought I bought a Nintendo. It had Tetris on it. Is that Atari too, or is that Nintendo? I don't know. Well, anyway, I love Tetris. I bought it for Jeremy because every kid needs a game like that. But I needed to make sure that the game didn't throw off any radiation or anything and (laughs) the kid would be all right. I got good at Tetris. Let me tell you, I didn't get good. I got real good at Tetris. Now, remember, this has been been 40 years ago. 40 years ago. And uh, I could beat Jeremy. I could beat, when Jason grew up a little bit more, he tried. I could beat all of them. And I, I loved it. I loved it until one night in a revival meeting. I knelt down on an altar to pray during a revival meeting. God moving, it was a great time. And all I could see was them little figures coming down out of, they were going sideways and this way. And I said, and you know what the Lord said? You spent a lot of time getting this done. How much time have you spent honoring me? Now I'm still down there at the altar How much time have you spent doing good that might help you in the Christian life, that might help other people? And I said, well, 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 Lord, you know, I'm doing all of this I can, you know, and all. But the bottom line is I wasn't sold out to him. The more I played, the better I liked it. You see, in in this world today, we we, want to get that next certification. We want to get that next college degree. We want to get that next way to move up, to step up. We want to know who to warm up to so they can help us in business. Do you know people go to certain churches so they can get ahead? Becky and I were sitting in a young couple's home years ago. and a Couple had been coming to our church and loved it. and Family loved it and the kids' activities and all that. But he told us that night, he said, Brother Charles, we're new in town We've been told that if we're going to get ahead, we've got to go to this particular church. I said, hey, God's got to do what a God's got to do. He said, well, do you have any advice? I said, not that you'd want to hear. He said, yeah, I would. What's your advice? And all that came to me was Psalm 8610. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. And we left. I think what God is trying to tell us through Paul is he saved you to be marked off. He saved you to be different. He saved you to come out from them and to be set apart. So how do we perfect that holiness? Let me give it to you real quickly. Number one, we look at the promises. God's made us some promises. Listen, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, He's made us some promises. What are the promises? Well, if you look back into chapter six, the last couple of verses, he said, wherefore come out among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, touch not the unclean thing and I'll receive you. What's the promise? The promise is he'll receive us. That's a glorious promise. I mean, that's that's a wonderful promise. I, who was a child of Adam, I, who was born in a sin nature, separated from God, headed to a devil's hell, God saved my soul, and he said, If you'll come out from among them and serve me, I will receive you. That's a pretty good promise. I mean, my soul, in some places, with some dignitaries, maybe even in some churches, You can't be received if you've got a scar on your record. They don't want nothing to do with you. Hmm? Now, I'm going to tell you right now, if you've got the scar that you've abused a child or something, we're not going to let you teach in the children's ministry. But I want to tell you, I'll be honest with you. I just want to share my heart. I, hmm. I've come as close to resigning the last couple of months as anything in my life from a church. I've prayed, I've been low, I've been, it's been on my heart because I thought that I pastored a church that would accept anybody. And I've watched as maybe some didn't get accepted. And actually, the truth be known, some folk here probably run them off with their pious attitude. I did everything I could. I said, God, you know, I'm 70 years old now. I'm ready to go. Move me somewhere else. God said, no. You don't burn half the people up here. You stay right here and preach. So unless you run me off, you've got me. He said, I'll receive you. Think with me just a moment. You see, when you get saved, you don't get involved in an institution. When when you get saved, you don't get adopted into a family uh, of of an organization or a fraternity. Fraternities, I'm not knocking any of these. They're, They're a group of people with all some kind of similar status. But when you get saved you get a family with a heavenly father a father who watches over you and cares for you and loves you more than you love yourself that's what you get your sons and daughters that's what the word of god says uh, in in verse 18 i will be a father unto you in chapter 6 and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. We become family together. God is our Father. Now, having these promises, you gotta claim them. If I promised you a hundred dollars and you never would come up and claim it, you never would get the hundred dollars. God's made us some promises. He said, if you'll come out from among them and you'll be separate, says the Lord, and you'll submit to me and you'll live for me, I will receive you and I'll be your father. It don't get any better than that. It's going to take me longer if I have to run down there and sit on that seat every time and say amen. Maybe if we'd brag on our father a little bit more, you know how kids used to do? My daddy can whoop your daddy. My daddy's better than your daddy. Somehow or another kids have just this in inbuilt thing to want to, you know, magnify their daddy. As a child of God, can you imagine what would happen this week if those of us in this building today would just magnify the Lord Jesus Christ this week? If we just bragged on Jesus. Just bragged on Jesus. My soul, have mercy. Maybe it would want to be, uh, help us to want to be set apart. Maybe it would help us to want to be different, to be marked off if we learn to brag on the Father. Now, the second thing quickly is there's some sin that's got to be eliminated. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Now I want to hasten to tell you, he does not say let God cleanse you. You can't get rid of your sin. Only God can do that. He did that when he saved you and justified you and positionally sanctified you. That that's done. Now he says let us He's talking about me and you. Let us cleanse ourselves from the filthiness of the sin of the flesh. Those are the outward sins. We need to get rid of them. You say, preacher, i got a lot of things wrong in my life. Take the blood and apply it. Take the word of God and read it, meditate, obey it. Don't allow the filth to come in, don't harbor it, don't compromise, don't tolerate it, don't invite it, don't give it a place. If the eye offends you, cut it out. If the hand offends you, cut it off. If the leg offends you, get it off. He's not saying to start dismembering your body. That's not what he's saying at all. What he's saying here is that anything that takes you away from God, get rid of it. If there's anything in your life that is constantly taking you away from serving God, from from suffering for God, from sanctification from God, get rid of it. You say, preacher, those are some harsh words. You ought to try to look this up all week long. I've been whipped all week, so you just sit here and bear it. The filthiness of the flesh, that's the stuff you do on the outside. Christians don't need to be cursing. Well, we've had them right here in the church. Curse up a storm. Yeah, that'll bless your heart. Christians don't need to be drinking. Don't need to be wearing things that don't honor the Lord. I just come back from Panama City, a the seaside there. They don't wear enough down there to bridle a mule. <laughs> if you live down there, you'd have to wear constant blinders on your face or you'd be living in sin all the time. Not that I did, but I, you know. (laughs) Christians don't need to be going places they have no business going. I'm just saying, now, if you're satisfied with being saved and just being right there, then forget all of this. But if you're wanting to perfect holiness as he commands us to do, then there needs to be some things we clean up on the outside, on the flesh. We ought to get rid of them. But not only the flesh. He said, not, not just the flesh, but he said the spirit and spirit. The spirit is the attitudes and the things inside of you. You see, we'll make a big deal over somebody that commits fornication. And we think, boy, how bad that is. Good, great. But we don't say anything about somebody that hates somebody. Somebody got a bad attitude. We'll let that ride. Ain't nobody in here, hopefully, I, hopefully. Nobody in here is going to go to jail for killing anybody. But I dare say there's probably not very few of you in this place today, myself included, that haven't killed people with our own words. Hmm? We, uh, sanctification is outside but it's also inside it's actions but it's also attitudes it's thoughts and deeds both I talked with a guy just a week or so ago and we were talking he's a good Christian man we were talking about you know sin and this guy he lives a good life there's no doubt he does uh, he said I hadn't even had a speeding ticket and he's older than me I said, and I don't know what got into me. I said, yeah, but you're a Pharisee. You you, you got cleansed. You just didn't do it the way God told you to do it. There was nobody that got cleansed more than the Pharisees. I mean, they cleanse themselves all the time. And yet they were never right with God. Why? Because they did it the way they wanted to do it. It had nothing to do with their heart. It had nothing to do with, with the inside. It was an outside, whitewashed deal. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O God, my strength and my Redeemer. You want perfect holiness? You're going to have to get some junk out of the trunk. Let me give you this last one. I'm through. There's a spiritual perspective here. How are you going to do it? And let me just say this, too. You get saved the way God says get saved or you're not saved. You think, well, I'll, I'll be saved on the day I want to. No, you won't. You'll be saved when the Holy Spirit calls you or you won't be saved. Amen. And so the same thing happens right here in sanctification. You say, well, I'm going to... I'm going to straighten my life out But I'm going to do it the way i want to do it A little at a time or whatever No, you'll do it God's way What's God's way? He said in verse 1 Perfecting holiness in the fear of God In the fear of God <laughs> Now, let's get it straight here The fear of God's talking about a reverential fear We're in awe of God We're in awe I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus, the Nazarene. Uh, the more I'm amazed at God, the more motivated, more motivated I am to share him with others. I just get so amazed. I, I know some things may not amaze you, or turn you on, whatever, but I imagine in the last 18 years, there may have been three times that I went to Brother Aaron and said, I'm I'm preaching this, could you get a song, this song, maybe three times, I don't know. You may remember four, I don't know. I don't remember any, that's even better. (laughs) (laughs) But when I'm preaching on perfecting holiness, and we're doing holy, holy, holy right before I'm getting up to preach, I tell you, I just want to shout. I guarantee you. God is an awesome God. Whew. Have mercy. Every time I, whoo. Somebody's going to have to hold my mule here in a minute. But now listen to me. When I begin to to get lax, and I begin to, Not be in as awe of God as I should be. I open myself up to tolerate sin coming in. So, I've got to fear God. I've got to fear God. There's a, you know, young people, you can impress your parents. (laughs) Some of your parents think you're really something. I got some pictures of you. No, I'm not, I'm joking. I'm not joking all the time, but you can impress your parents, but I want to tell you there's going to come a day when your mom and daddy's not there. You can impress your youth director, but there's going to come a day when the youth director's not there. But I want to tell you, we've got a God who watches over everything we do. He knows every thought we think. He knows where we're going. He knows what we're fixing to say. And, and I want to tell you uh, to be saved, a sinner like I was, and, and to be changed. He made the heavens and the earth, and he holds the world in the palm of his hand. And in the middle of all that, he wants you and I to partner with him. If you're not right with God this morning, I would tell you, you need to get alone with God. You see... Don't get upset with me but if you got a problem with lust you talking over lust with somebody else is not gonna do nothing but get you in trouble you need to talk with God about lust on your own you need to straighten that deal out with God before you ever go out anywhere or you're gonna be in trouble you got a problem with anger you don't need to get in the middle of something man I know some of you some of you are wonderful people but, boy, the right buzzword hits you, and, man, you go nuts. That, That ain't from God. You know, there's one thing I discovered playing Nintendo or whatever it was. It was Tetris. There's one thing I discovered. I like playing by myself better than I like playing with other people because if I'm by myself and I mess up the game, I just shut that thing off and start over (laughs) but if somebody else is there and I'm playing them I can't shut it off and start over there are some things we need to get along with God and deal with in our spiritual life and in our physical life young man father was a minister and he says that they mom and dad brought home a 12 year old boy named Roger His parents had died from drug addiction, overdose. There was nobody to care for Roger, so he said, my folks decided they'd just raise him as one of their own sons. And he said, at first, it was really difficult for Roger to adjust to the family. Uh, There's no heroin addicted adults every day. And he said, I would hear my mom and daddy say, no, no, Roger, that's not how we behave in this family. No, no, Roger, that's... You don't have to scream or fight to hurt other people to get what you want. No, no, Roger. We expect you to show respect in this family. Okay. Now, let me ask you something. Did Roger have to make those changes to be a part of the family? No. They'd already accepted him. I want you to be honest with you. You can stay right here at Positional Salvation if you've been saved I'm praying the Lord to eat your guts up, but you can stay right here as long as you want to. Or you can say, Lord, I want to be more like you. I want to be more like you. I want to be closer to that permanent sanctification when you call my name, and I have no idea when you're going to call my name. He didn't have to make those changes to become part of the family. But he was made a part of the family simply by the grace of his father. But then he had to do a lot of work to become like that family. You didn't have to do anything to get saved. Jesus provided it all. Paid it all. But you've got to do something. I, you know, I find it ironic. God said, be holy because I'm holy. Amen he he didn't direct us to be omnipotent he said don't be he didn't say hey you got to be all-powerful he didn't say you have got to be omniscient you got to be all wise he said what I want you to do is be holy be holy man can you think of the families that could be put back together if some parents just said let's be holy let's honor God can you think of some relationships that could be restored in families and friends? If we just said, hey, let's, let's honor God. Let's be holy. Father, thank you today for allowing us to get into your word. Thank you for everything you've done for us, what you're doing now, and what you're going to do in the future. I would beg you, Lord, if somebody here today needs to know you as their Savior. God, today, may it be their day of salvation. Maybe there's some that need a church home. They visit here, and Lord, you've already told them this is where you want them to be. I pray they'd be obedient today. Maybe, Lord, there just needs to be some come to this altar and say, Lord, I'm too close to where I got in. I'm too close to positional sanctification. And I need to be dedicated to move forward and finish this thing. Would you have your way in Jesus' name? Amen. Amen. Would you stand together?